Marcus Stroman heads home. Kawhi Leonard actually dined for free. And David Clarkson. You're listening to Purposely Offside on 93.3 CFMU. Welcome back, McMaster, to another edition of Purposely Offside. I'm Anthony DiNardo alongside Jordan Battaglia. I can't wrap my head around this. I'm just going to jump right into it. What what can you not wrap your head around, plug guy? Marcus Stroman is no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. No, he's not. Uh, Marcus Stroman traded to the New York Mets. We're going to be talking about that. You mentioned in the intro Kawhi actually dining for free. We're going to get into Kawhi Leonard's um, press conference with the Los Angeles Clippers. And then finally, we're going to talk some Leafs and talk about David Clarkson. Yeah, a name we haven't heard for a while. Um, So we'll be discussing that today uh, on the show. No Brian Drzejewski today. Again, still, still, we're waiting for him. He's on his honeymoon. Man, he's missing out on a lot. We'll we'll cut him a break. I mean, who needs to go to Europe, right? Yeah, who who needs to have a honeymoon? I'm just kidding. Everyone should have a honeymoon. It's been a it's been a bit of a tough month and decline from that Raptors parade. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely we seeing... went from a, a high to a, a complete low over these last few weeks. I don't yeah. know what's going on. Well, in, it's in the Toronto summer, man. We've talked about this last week. It's it's the uh, it's the summer. Right, there's not a lot of action, but I think we've got three stories today that we can definitely dive into. There's a lot of content behind them, and I think they're going to generate a lot of discussion. All right, you ready? You ready to go into it? Let's roll. All right, let's roll. Uh, so we're going to start with Marcus Stroman. Uh, biggest news um, on Sunday uh, that broke, and Marcus Stroman. Uh, we had a feeling for a while that he was going to be traded. All right, and he is now on his way to the New York Mets. Uh, and in return, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays get Anthony Kaye. He's the top pitching prospect for the New York Mets. New York Mets, sorry, and Simeon Woods Richardson, um, who is an 18-year-old um, in the Mets system, right? So I think, uh, from what I have read, from what I have saw, uh, this deal is centered around Anthony Kaye, who is the 24-year-old left-hander, all right, um, selected 31st. Overall, in the 2016 draft. All right, so let's get your thoughts on the trade. First of all, Mr. Jordan Battaglia, a.k.a. Plug Guy. Um, I'm against the deal. I am a, I'm a big Stroman fan, for sure, for a lot of reasons, aside from the fact that he's he is a tremendous pitcher. He's, I guess, the quote-unquote ace of the Jays in a, in a rebuilding team. But... Aside from his his play on the field, and say what you want about his antics off the field, I'm the most upset upset about this is the fact that he actually wanted to be here. They had a guy. And we all know that you love guys that want to be in. As, as you should, all fans of all sports teams should want guys who love to play for their teams. Mm-hmm. And Marcus Stroman Agreed. was a guy who was fiery. He brought a ton of emotion to his game. He loved Toronto. He repped Toronto as much as Drake reps Toronto. Right. He, he absolutely loved being in the six. His jersey number is number six. Right. Was number six. 
and he he brought it every night. I mean, to me, I I just I don't like this trade at all. I don't know like what it brings. I don't like the return, and it just leaves a really bad taste in the mouths of all Jays fans. I think you don't. Forward. I think you might not like the return. Uh, well, for one, we don't really know yet, right? One thing we do know is Anthony K is supposed to be. Um, a piece of the puzzle that comes towards the Jays and building for the future. That's what we know, right? We don't know much about him, but we do know he's their top pitching prospect. Um, I'm not really educated on how good their, uh, the, the New York Mets' uh, farm is, farm s- system is in terms of pitching depth, all right? Um, and we know that they get a young pitcher and in Woods Richardson. But I think where some of your hesitancy comes in terms of um, this deal for the Jays is based on maybe some of the previous deals the Jays have made in the past and this whole plan, and I'm using air quotes, this whole plan that the, the front office of you know Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have had for the Blue Jays ever since they took over. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, like... The, the Jays haven't really gotten great returns on these guys. Like uh, those players that you're going to mention, like if you're going to mention Donaldson or Tulowitzki, Encarnacion, oh, Encarnacion left left. as a free agent yeah. in his own will, but they yeah. didn't they didn't do anything to keep him. Yes, the he problem. had a career year. They just had that. He had just had that moment where he had that walk off in the in the playoffs, and then he was just gone, yeah. just like that. They just kind of let him go. Again, another sour taste in the mouth of Blue Jays fans, letting one of their stars walk. Right. Similar situation with Batista. Yeah, it's different with those guys because you had some some age there, some injuries. Egos. Big egos, big yeah. money contracts that you're just going to hand out all at once. I get that. And and they made one thing clear, uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. They want to get rid of some of these big dollars that were on the books for the Blue right. Jays, correct? Right. But for a team where Marcus Stroman is heading into the prime of his career, he's healthy. He hasn't right. had any injury setbacks from that ACL. He's a player that wanted to be here, who absolutely loved being a Blue Jay. And and you're talking about a team right now who has such a small payroll and right. all the financial backing in the world to keep a guy around for this rebuild. He would have been, in my eyes, he would have been the perfect um, pitcher to keep around to, to mentor these young guys. There's articles last week suggesting that the young arms in the Blue Jays' uh sort of farm and all these up and coming guys, even on their team currently, absolutely loved Marcus Stroman. Well, how can you not? They love what like he Like you said, he's a guy that plays for the city. He, he full emotion on his sleeves. He supports all of his teammates too. Even leading up to the to the the series this weekend where all the talk was about him getting dealt. He was he was the first guy out there congratulating his teammates. They walked off uh the, the razor that he was the first guy to run out and celebrate. Like this is a guy that was just a complete professional through and through. Say what you want about his social media right. antics and off-field yeah, antics. And when he was on the field and when he was in the locker room with the team, the guys absolutely loved him. Yeah. And that's it, the guy you should have around your young guys. So for one, uh, on one end of the, of the argument, it's, we don't really know much about the guys we're getting. All right. And, and based on the track record of Shapiro and Atkins, I think we can assume that I think we have every right to feel this way, this uncertainty of, you know, is this deal enough for Marcus Stroman, who is in the prime of his career, 28 years old, who has um, a 6-11 record, obviously not the best, but that's what you get 
with a team like the Blue Jays who's rebuilding. But you look at his ERA, 2.96. All right, so are did they get enough? I don't think we know yet. But I think a lot of us feel the way you do. Uh, a lot of us feel that based on the decisions that Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have made, you know, they haven't really looked after uh, the well-being of this team in terms of what they've gotten in return for some players. I think we can use Josh Donaldson as a perfect example of that because they didn't, they didn't really get anything for Josh Donaldson. And the guy's really, really coming alive now in Atlanta. And I think that's where the that, that's where our uncertainty lays with the Jays. It's about the actions of Shapiro and Atkins and, and how they've handled the Blue Jays up until this point. I'm not a fan of them. I think they've come in with Most this. Most fans aren't. And they're not. I think they've come in with this um, plan to just shed salary, but I, I don't think they've done the best job in loading up the Blue Jays with some of the top prospects in baseball. Because if we look at the, their top prospects, Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero, they are not products of Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro, correct? Nope. They are products of Alex Anthopoulos. All right, so we'll see. I mean, I, I guess we will see how this deal plays out because we don't know much about these players yet. And that's the toughest part about a rebuild, especially in... in uh, I think there there is a lot of, I guess, impatience in baseball because unlike other sports where they have hard caps, the MLB doesn't. They they have these you see these teams with these massive payrolls, massive financial backing. And I think if you're a, a baseball fan, you want quick rebuilds. You want this, you know, one year turnaround. Like you saw it a few years ago with Boston. Yeah. They finished last in the league. And then the very next year, they won the World Series. But and but but Boston, in terms of baseball, along with the Yankees, completely different beast, right? Those teams but have similar, no problem signing players off free agency. But similar financial backing. Similar financial back backing, correct? Yeah. Which which is what really frustrates Jays but, fans is the fact that they're not. A, this is not a small market baseball team. Well, they're not a small market team, but they are run by an or, a corporation. Which makes it even more frustrating because they have all the means to go out and sign any top-tier talent but that they a, wish. But there is a bottom line. There is a board, right? Uh, and it, it's all depends, it all depends on what they're willing to budget, what Rodgers is, is um, willing to budget for the Blue Jays, right? That's, uh, that's kind of the issue. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of voices at that table for the Blue Jays. And unfortunately, it is frustrating because I agree with you 100%. The Jays should be a team that spends over that, the cap and goes into luxury tax and spends up with the Red Sox and Yankees. Yep. What, did you, what did you say you threw the... You, I mean, you gave me the number earlier. What's their payroll at right now? They, they, I think in terms of active players right now, they're, they're, not, they're under 50 million in active under payroll. Under 50 million. Which is such, that's a, such a small market number. And if we look back at you know, that prime run by the Blue Jays in 2015, 2016, they were spending about 150 million. Just to give you guys some... And making, a the comparison. A, and making the ALCS. Yeah, that's that's how you make an American League Championship Series, right? You sign players, you build through your system. So the, at one point, the Jays were spending $150 million. Now they're below 50 And I think you also mentioned to me earlier, as we prepped for the show, that the Blue Jays have more in 
retain salaries. Retain salary. Mainly, mainly because of Tulowitzki and uh, Russell Martin. So they're spending more for players that are no longer on their team than players that are currently on their team. Right? But they're rebuilding. All right. So along with the rebuild, Stroman gets dealt. Eric Sogard also gets dealt to the Rays. Kind of an awkward moment. He because you know, the Jays were playing uh, the Rays on Sunday. And I think um, he got traded mid-game. And, uh, there, you know, I turned it on briefly and saw him walk past Vladdy Guerrero. Um, so he gets traded, traded in-game. Right, so we'll, we'll stop at the Jays for now. A lot of question marks around this team throughout the season, but very interesting to Tons. see. I'm, I'm curious to see how this rebuild goes. Tons of question marks. A lot of, lot of promise. Yeah. But there ha- if you're a Jays fan, you need to have a lot of optimism. Absolutely. And... Uh, you know, similar to the Leafs rebuild, trust the process. Yeah. And speaking of optimism, I think a fan base that needs a lot of optimism are the Toronto Raptors fan base. All right. We've talked a Which lot of this Which is crazy show. because of uh, yeah. what, what transpired well, because we were, we're NBA ago. champions, buddy. <laughs> Yet we're sitting here saying that the fan base needs optimism. I think there's optimism for, you know, having a decent product on the, on the court next year. But obviously we lost Kawhi Leonard. We've talked about that a lot over the last few weeks and over the last few episodes. All right, but we got a chance to see Kawhi's press conference this week with the Los Angeles Clippers. Steve Ballmer, owner of the Clippers, looked like he just was received the first overall draft pick in his fantasy league, the way he was uh, acting. Guy looks so pumped. Did you see that? I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen an owner react. He looked like he just like way. logged on to yahoo.com <laughs> and saw that he had the first overall pick in his fantasy in his fantasy football pool. He was just so fired up. I mean, how can you not be? You got well, Paul he did George win the free agency sweepstakes, so I'd be pretty jacked as well. I guess that's the that's the sort of billionaire fantasy. Yeah. Unusual start to a press conference. But regardless, they introduce Paul George. They introduce, they introduce Kawhi Leonard. All right, so let's get some. Let, let me get your thoughts first of all on the press conference itself. Well, aside from those antics, um, you know, it's like like we've said in the past. I completely understand both of their decisions. Um, you know, really speaking, of them they their heart was always in L.A., both in uh, in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So, you we knew that the a homecoming was the main reason for this. Uh, you know, this, all these free agent decisions, Mm -hmm. the way they sort of went about it, it was, you know, the reports of the, you know, the outrageous demands that they were making to both teams and, you know, say what you want, like that, that goes along with free agency. I'm sure that that happens a lot more than you think. Right. And in many different sports, that's just all a part of free agency. Obviously you get, you, you know, try to take what you can get, especially if you're a highly coveted free agent, like Kawhi Leonard was. Yeah. And I think if, uh, I think if we look at the press conference itself, it was it was awesome that Kawhi Leonard, one of the first things he said was giving love to Toronto, especially the city. That's something he used a lot, right? I can't say enough about the city. I have tons of respect for the city. He did mention the organization. Did you find it interesting that he didn't maybe name drop certain individuals within the organization that made his time here so special? I'm surprised. I thought, you know, for sure he, he would have um, given thanks to, to specifically Masai. 
mm-hmm. coach nurse, and was it uh, Alex? Alex McKechnie. McKechnie. Who's the sports medicine dog them, for the Raptors. Handled them like diamonds this year and was a huge contributing factor to, you know, Kawhi being so available and, and I guess healthy and ready for this, the championship run. Because that was a big thing. We can't underestimate that, right? I, um, I, I'm not surprised because he's a very short guy, like in terms of the way he handles himself and the way he handles himself in the media. So I'm not surprised by it. Um, I am a man of few words. I am kind of shocked at some of his comments. Um, like he, he made reference to the fact that he's now going to play for an experienced uh, championship winning coach, which is which struck yeah. me because he had just come from winning an NBA championship and playing for one of the greatest NBA coaches of all time in Greg Popovich. But, I mean, I, I, don't I don't think he's lying. Yeah, I, the, the Greg Popovich thing you mentioned, 100%. That's one of the most experienced coaches you'll play for. In terms of maybe, like, referring to Nick Nurse in that sense, I, I mean, Nick Nurse was a first-year head coach, and what a first year he had. He did make his mistakes along the way. All right, but I, maybe, I know what you're saying. That You can kind of not go there in your comments about... Um, about the coach you're going to have and kind of in comparison to what you had before. Cause yeah, it does, it does maybe, are you saying it devalues Nick nurse in terms of what he contributed to the team this year? That's the way it came off to me. Kind of the way it comes off, but I mean, he's not lying. Doc rivers has tons of experience and, um, you know, Nick nurse was a, you know, a first year coach. I was surprised more so that he didn't think, uh, Masai, Right, because literally Masai and the organization gave Kawhi everything he wanted. I mean, they basically allowed him to make his own schedule. They they allowed for load management to happen. I'm surprised he didn't mention Alex McKechnie, the guy who is behind, you know, the reason for Kawhi's capability of playing sixty games in the regular season and all of you know, all of the games in the playoffs. So I was surprised about that. Because obviously Alex McKechnie, sports medicine doctor for uh, the Toronto Raptors, you know he played a big role in managing Kawhi's injury because he only played nine games the, uh, the season before. Anyway, I'm not going to make too big of a deal about uh, about it because I know there are some uh, columnists and writers in Toronto that are making kind of a big deal of who he thanked and who he didn't. Like you said, Jordan, he's a man of few words, right? He's a very humble individual. He's someone who holds his cards very, very close to his chest, right? I think the fact that he opened up with a little props to Toronto, you know, really showed that he valued his time here. He might not have wanted to come here because he was traded here, but he surely made the most of it. And I don't think we can argue with that, right? So... Uh, yeah, some of uh, Kawhi's comments obviously also included uh, the fact that he wanted to go home. Yeah, they, they were both asked about their decisions. And, I mean, even both he and Paul George, first thing he said was, I got my family here, I got yeah. nieces and nephews here, my kids get to play with, you know, their cousins. Completely understandable. Yeah, that's understandable, that right? It's always It's always important for us to, as individuals, to want to play closer to where we live for family reasons. I did find it a little disappointing that I mean, the more and more we hear about reports about 
Kawhi's decision, the more you hear about how maybe the Raptors, he never really stood a chance. I'm and, led to believe that they had no chance. And, and that it was maybe, either LA, it was yeah. one of the LA teams, and I think the Raptors had no chance. I think he just gave them their time to it's, you know, show that they— It's respecting the process. Respecting the process, giving them a chance to do something to win him back. But, uh, you know, all the signs are leading him going back to L.A., whether it was the Lakers or the Clippers, it was 100% going to be those yeah, teams. He even yeah. said it. My my mind was made up about going back to L.A. when I was to San Antonio. And you hear all these reports of Uncle Dennis, who is the representative of Kawhi Leonard, his uncle, obviously, uh, hence the name Uncle Dennis was asking for the sun and moon from the Raptors to have him back, basically ma- making some unrealistic demands of the team. So, I mean, the more reports that come out, it's kind of sad to hear that the Raptors were never a serious contender for them because I, I I, also heard what you're referring to, that the Lakers really, really had um, a stronghold on acquiring Kawhi Leonard. But obviously the Paul George acquisition is what essentially made him go to the Clippers. I just... It's unfortunate because you won with the Raptors. You had some great people in the Raptors organization that uh, catered to your needs. Again, I don't resent Kawhi for wanting to go home. It's just a little, I'm not sure if you're with me on this. It's a little disappointing to hear that maybe the Raptors weren't as strong as a contender as me and you at one point felt they were. I think everybody thought they were the lead candidate. Yeah. Well, how can you not? Right, Quality organization, NBA championship. We're going to leave, uh, we're going to leave Kawhi Leonard there. You're listening to Purposely Offside on 93.3 CFMU. I'm going to give a shout out to everyone also listening online at CFMU.ca. Once again, if you're a Mac athlete and want to join the show and share your story, shoot us a DM at Purposely underscore Offside on Instagram, at PO Sports Talk on Twitter. We'd love to have you on. Yeah, and uh, you know, as we get into August and into September, into the school year, we'll definitely have more Mac athletes on, as well as athletes in the local community of Hamilton and the greater Toronto area. Speaking of the greater Toronto area. Let's say, speaking of homecomings. Speaking of homecomings, it's another homecoming for your your boy, David Clarkson. He's coming home. He's coming home. David Clarkson, if you were on your social media this week, if you have um, the Score Mobile, like a lot of us do, you might have seen the Leafs acquired David Clarkson and looked at your phone and said, why? Why? I, I did. Why? But the more you look into it, it kind of makes sense. I actually, t- I totally forgot that he was no longer playing because his, his, his contract was traded to Vegas. Uh, and that was also, I think, a part of the the expansion draft protection right from columbus yeah and once he was drafted to vegas you never heard you never heard of that name again so for me to hear that david clarkson's coming back to toronto i was like what but then i was like this this is the guy on ltir this is the guy that you know had the homecoming back in what 20 I, i can't remember when he signed 2011 2012 comes to toronto gotta check those dates comes to toronto is the hometown boy does nothing Nothing. David Clarkson did did nothing. They get like one significant goal in the year he played. Anyway, suffers a career-ending injury with his back, right? He didn't even start the season with the Leafs. No, he, he didn't. Got no, that he ten didn't. Game That's right. He got that 10-gamer yeah. for going after John Scott. Just comes in with a 10-gamer. 
That's that, right. That's when you knew you were like, oh man. Well, I, I don't this think is so Leafs right now. Maybe he just never recovered from that. Anyway, he he was the guy at the end of his Leafs tenure that you were dying for the Leafs to get rid of. Because he was a lot of money. What, like five? Was he five mil? He's at five and a half. Five and a half million for a guy that was supposed to be a pretty decent player. Never turned out to be for the for the Leafs anyway. Was for the Devils before. But the guy that you wanted gone, the Leafs got rid of him in 2014, 2015. Got rid of him. And then to see his name pop up was like, what? But why don't you tell our audience, our audience here, on 93.3 CFMU and those that listen to our podcast. Why don't you tell them why exactly we acquired a guy back that we wanted to get rid of a long time ago? What's the significance? relief. Cap relief. Mitch Marner is still unsigned. Can you explain cap relief? Not only do they have David Clarkson, who will start the season and will remain in the season on LTR, but they also still have Nathan Horton. Uh, who they acquired for that purpose? All all these signs, and I and I tweeted about this as well. All of these signs are po- are pointing towards a Mitch Marner deal getting done. Okay, they're I, taking I, very small but incremental steps to getting this deal done with Mitch. Being very creative too, and that's why they have they have the best cap guy in the game, Gal Dubas. and they also have members of the team as well, guys who know the CBA front and back. So this deal was solely for Mitch Marner. So let's explain it. David Clarkson's not going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs on the ice. Jordan mentioned LTIR stands for Long-Term Injury Reserve. For those who don't know, they have one guy, Nathan Horton, on LTIR. And now bringing in Clarkson, putting him on LTIR. They essentially have, what, $10.5 million dollars? That the Leafs are paying out for guys on LTIR in Horton and Clarkson. They're paying out $10.5 million for guys that are not going to play on the ice. This is something a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, a very rich organization, can do. But it gives them cap relief in the sense that they can spend over the $82 million cap and spend, what, about $92 million, you said? Roughly. Which, with those two guys going on LTIR and then maxing out their cap, they'll have around $10.5 million to sign one more player. They have one more roster spot. Right. Which will be set aside for Mitch Marner. Right. So all those signs, the, the exact cap number, the $10.5 million, the cap relief, them trading away Sparks for that David Clarkson contract. Uh, if I if you if I was a betting man, which I am, I will bet that a Mitch Marner deal will get done the first week of October. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. It's interesting how the Leafs are getting very creative, and I like how they're embracing and understanding who they are as an organization. They are an organization that can pay ten million dollars to guys who will never be on the ice for the for the Maple Leafs. Not every team in the NHL has that luxury. The Leafs are actually one of the few teams in the league that have that luxury. It's very creative that they're thinking of a way to get this done. You're actually bringing in a guy that's never going to step onto the ice and contribute to make room to sign Mitch Marner, to get that cap relief to spend over the $82 million cap, hard cap in the NHL. 
bringing those injured guys onto the roster allows the Leafs to do so. Allows the Leafs to spend over the cap, which can be helpful in signing Mitch Marner, a guy that I want to see on uh, on the Leafs roster. I want to see play for the Leafs opening night. A guy you want to see play for the Leafs on opening night. A, you know, a player that Mitch, uh, that uh, Leafs Nation wants to see play for the Leafs on opening night. And I agree with you. It's going to get done soon. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not during the month of August, but I believe, truly believe, that by the time October comes around, he'll be signed. Because I don't think that RFA threat is realistic when it comes to Mitch Marner. I don't think Marner wants to leave. And Marner doesn't want to leave. How can you want to leave Toronto? Look what you have. Tavares, Marner, Tyson Berry. You know, William Nylander eating brujuto. You see that picture? With his dreads. Yeah, with those dreads. The new look, William Nylander, number 88. Just three buttons down on the dress shirt. Chest lettuce out. Just full send. Full send. Living his best life. We are living our best life here on 93.3 CFMU Radio. Any last words before we close up? It's going to be... Sad to see Strowman go, but I hope they make up as made up for it by getting Mitch Marner. Yeah, well, Toronto in general. Toronto, Toronto needs Mitch Marner back. Yeah. Going through a rough stretch, but I think it'll work out. Yeah, it'll work out. All right, guys. Another edition of Purposely Offside done. All right next week, your boy Brian Jerzejewski will be back with us. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Later. Episode 15 of our Purposely Offside podcast. And we're back. We're back, man. We're back. Episode 15. Just want to thank everyone for listening to um, the opening, which, as always, is our uh, CFMU 93.3 show. All right. And now we're here for the podcast. So now we can actually, we don't have a time restraint. It's the best. This is my, one of my favorite parts about the podcast because we can just go off on any topic that we want. Yeah, I definitely feel a lot more free and open just to yeah. sort of, you know, rant. Oh, yeah, you I can rant. Vent. You got to get, you got to keep it simple a little bit sometimes on, on the radio show. But uh, the best, th- the best part, sorry, about a podcast is it's, uh, it's no holds barred. We've done what three? This will be our fourth radio show. No. I don't think it's four. I think this is the number six. I'll go back on that. Yeah, we have to go back to the archives. So I can't even three interviews. I can't count anymore. Three interviews, two 
uh, normal shows with just us. Yeah. I mean, I can check. This, the- sorry. No, this will be our six. Yeah, this is number six. Yeah, wow. Right? And anyway. Even. You, you know, kind of, the memory kind of goes in. Yeah, with this being with our age. sixth, our sixth go at it, it yeah. it's, every week just seems like, wow, man, like 30 minutes is tough. Yeah. To to get to squeeze, to squeeze in, in what you want to say, especially with the interviews. Like we have, uh, you know, we did the interview with Danielle, with Anthony Romanu, with Victor Razzo. Um, there's so much you want to ask and talk about and elaborate on certain topics that that, that 30 minutes is almost not enough time. So we'll have to have those um, those athletes, those uh, friends of the show, back on. And also, we're going to continue having some more. Uh, guests on from McMaster, from from Hamilton, the GTA. If you, if anyone, uh, anyone that you guys want us to try to get on, just let us know. Yeah, we always plug the show. Like I said, if you're uh, not necessarily a McMaster athlete, if you're just a local athlete in the Hamilton or uh, GTA region that wants to, you know, have a platform to voice your opinions, your views, or even just, uh, you know, if you have an interesting story. Yeah. About uh, your sports career and whether it's at the, you know, amateur level, professional, semi, you know, school level, you know, give us a show. Like I said, we have our, our socials at purposely underscore offside on Insta, at PO Sports Talk on Twitter. Uh, even have our, our individual yeah. socials as well. If you want to good, good thing you mentioned that. Like, even if you're just a fan of the show and want to engage in conversation, if you want to maybe share different perspectives on something that we've said, let us know. I got a few uh, DMs this past uh, weekend about you know some of the stuff we talked about last week with Kawhi Leonard. We talked about him retiring his jersey. Um, you know, some felt. I mean, some sided with you, right? That they felt as know, they should. As no, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I understand the argument though, but some sided with you that they shouldn't. Some sided with me. All right, so I mean, feel free inbox us, get a hold of us on our social media, share your comments, join the join the conversation. I guess is what we are encouraging and embracing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, good weekend. We actually have news. What's the news? Well, we discussed Strowman. Oh yeah. We've talked with Kawhi, talked uh, Davy C. Yeah, if you listen to the first half of the show, we went into some Strowman. I think we said what I, I think I said what I needed to say about Strowman uh, in the first half of the show. Uh, we did go in about Kawhi. I think one thing we didn't really talk about, and it was kind of how we introduced the topic, we didn't really talk about what Kawhi said about eating for free we plugged the show with it yeah <laughs> we didn't go into it so this is, hey that's where, well, that's where the podcast comes into play we can we can expand our thoughts it's a catchy way to introduce the topic of the Kawhi presser because it caught a lot of attention of who he didn't thank and who he thanked poor guy like has to have his press conference just analyzed to a t i mean I, i'm not I'm not poor guy he's getting 103 million dollars 34 mil a year don't feel bad for him, but it uh, just shows you about the Toronto media, right? We're always shedding the spotlight on those who are here and eventually do leave. But that's what you're getting. You're, you're put under the microscope. Yeah. You're going to L.A. Mm-hmm. And aside from New York and Toronto, 
which is our, you know, microscope here yeah. in Canada. Um, you have to expect that. Your, yeah. every, your every move and step is going to be analyzed and how you handle yourself and exactly what you say. In this age in social media, everything is going to get looked at. Yeah. Every video, every comment, every look, even if you breathe, the way you breathe is going to get analyzed in this media. Everything that is talked about nowadays is under a microscope. So, and I mean, that's just how, that's how, this is how. Yeah. We're, and we're part of that. We're going to talk about how microscopic social media has become. <laughs> You're literally analyzing a guy talking about, I, I think he was joking. About, I think it was a joke. All right. It, me, it meant to be a Kawhi joke about. Yeah. Well, for for everyone listening, if you haven't heard it, we should put some, yeah, put some, some context, context behind it. Context behind it. It's funny because we're saying how the the media looks in and analyzes and, every, and, and what are we doing? And then we're just gonna what? We're just gonna go ahead and what do it are ourselves. We doing right now? Are we forgetting that nah. we are we are we trying to become a part of this media? Well, I think we are, and we are at a lower level. We just did a thirty minute show, yeah, live or live or record pre recorded, yeah, for radio analyzing the comments of Kawhi Leonard. So how dare we overanalyze the comments of Kawhi Leonard, but let's analyze the press conference of Kawhi Leonard. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm down. All right. So we have Kawhi Leonard. One thing we didn't discuss on the first half of the show is the idea of Kawhi Leonard stating, you know, thank you, Toronto. Thank you for the Kawhi and dine. I definitely took advantage of that. I think that's like an onside or offside thing. Getting paid thirty mil a year and taking advantage of Kawhi and Dine. What do you think? I well, if we're gonna go onside, offside here, I'm gonna go offside. Yeah. If you're a guy getting paid thirty million dollars a year, I don't care where it is, whether it's fast food or it's an you know upscale restaurant in you know Yorkville. Mm-hmm. I'm still not taking a free meal. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Think about that local business that you're trying to support. Yeah. By paying for your meal, by tipping your your server. You know, think of the economics behind that. I'm not, uh, well, some, here's the some thing. people would gladly take advantage of it. That's not me. If That's I that if I'm Kawhi, I head into a restaurant with the, those of you around Toronto, obviously, and those of you who have been to Toronto. Uh, with the whole playoff run and seeing the sticker of the Kawhi and Dine, obviously that sets the um, expectation that if Kawhi eats there, he eats for free. So if you're Kawhi Leonard, you're heading into a restaurant. Even big chains like Jack Astor's had him. I don't think he just doesn't pay at all. Like he must give the server or the waitress or waiter some dough. Like he's got to fork him over like a hundred bucks at least, right? Like he might eat for free, but like there's no way he leaves that restaurant without giving anything, right? If you're, if you're a class, I love. First of all, I'm laughing because I love how we're we're getting so in depth and heated about this argument, but. Well, it's it's, it's you know, interesting. Well, it's interesting that he brought it up. I think it's something that we should definitely talk about because in a press conference, um, 
yeah, I mean, it was a funny thing to say, but in my mind, like, should you actually take advantage of the Kawhi and dine and then not stay? He, he to kind of dine and dashed on this on us. I completely think that it was a joke. Yeah, it was. I think a joke. he was just just trying to take a friendly jab at it or make fun of it and just try to say something funny, as awkward as Kawhi could say something. But it's like, yeah, I definitely took advantage of that, and then I came to L.A. That, but that's the type of it's funny. humor. I guess that it's Kawhi, funny. That, that's it's how, dry that's, humor. That's the type of Kawhi humor that we yeah. saw for a full year here in Toronto. I think that was just his attempt at making a joke. Not ripping on the guy. It's just, I guess I'm looking more into the angle of. Did you did you like, think did you think of that as like a slap in the face? No, I didn't think of it as a slap. Like, oh, you know, thanks for offering me the free food. I I gladly took it and left. I didn't really thanks. think of it as a slap in the face. I'm more so looking at it like if I was a thirty million dollar NBA player. Am I actually going to go in a restaurant and be like, hey, by the way, I just want to take advantage of my Kawhi and Dine. I want to take advantage <laughs> One of my One Kawhi and Dine, please. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. So that's why it leaves me to think that if he, I mean, even if he did exercise that option. That's pretty greasy on his part if he does. He's got to, like, lay a brown bill on the waitress or waiter or whoever's serving him. Like, or at least give him, you know what I mean? give him a Benjamin so he can get the exchange. They're yeah. worth more here. What do you think? Do you, do you think he just like tipped very generously? Oh, I would hope so. Yeah, I'd hope so too. But again, totally up the obligation of the player. But It's like going to a wedding with no booster. If you don't guys know what know if, if anyone doesn't know what a booster is, it's like a, Italian. It's like a card. Italians. It's a card you bring, you know, to a wedding. That's in an envelope with cash. It's like showing up, like if he didn't tip the waitress, it's like showing up to a, a wedding with no gift. I don't know. He probably tipped the waitress. Waiter, server, whatever you want to call him. Anyway. I don't know why we just talked about that for five, ten minutes. But because, it's, it's, because it's, we're it's now, entertaining. Because we're now a part of this whole Toronto media, yeah. and, and we just got to love analyzing useless, yeah. yeah, just dumb topics like this. Especially on July 29th. That just goes to show the, the lack of content and news. And maybe it's just... Which is surprising, yeah. considering we're dealing with a Toronto sports marketplace that never seems to be short on... It's controversies and mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of stagnation right now. I think there's just a lot of waiting. I think the other aside thing, from the news of the Stroman trade, but yeah. So there's that. Let, let me just I'm gonna do this and go back to Kawhi for one second. I guess the also interesting aspect or side of it is is thanking all the restaurants for the free food and not thanking some specific people in the organization. Well, whatever. I digress. I really don't care. Won a championship. Who cares? Just funny to talk about. It's interesting to talk about. What do you think? Um, now, I think this we should just definitely jump into something other than food and quining and dining. <laughs> what do you really think of this Stroman trade? As um, a person who witnessed this Jay's run. The last the Jays run. 
2015 when they went to the ALCS when they were were that close to making a World Series to now the you know I don't want to say embarrassment of a franchise there yeah. but all the issues they're having and all the sort of animosity between the fans and their 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 newly formed management okay um, what I, do you I make of all this I, I think that honest answer I know we discussed that it's it's hard to see it's hard to analyze the deal right now because we don't really know much about the prospects we're getting back. But I think if we look at the direction the Blue Jays are going in, which is pretty obvious and clear, having a payroll below $50 million, they're clearly in a rebuilding process. Sproman's 28 years old. You got to trade him. Do you have to, though? Yeah, you have to. I mean, when are the Jays going to compete? They're not going to compete next year. And when I say compete, I mean make the playoffs. And in my mind, making the base, make, making the playoffs in the in the Major League Baseball is probably one of the toughest t- things to do. It's the toughest playoff to make, I think, in the four major sports, right? Because you got to it really emphasizes winning the division. And then you know they opened up the extra wild card spot a while ago, so that made it a little more gracious. But are they gonna, are they going to contend next year? No. With the Yankees and Red Sox, no. Are they going to contend the year after? Probably not. I think the the Blue Jays envision themselves competing for a wild card and competing for a division in like three four years. I was going to say so. You're all of these signs are pointing to like a long rebuild, like yeah. a five. Well, if you if you're signing if rebuild. if you're getting a 24 year old. But or, or and Anthony K, that means like in four years he'll be in his prime. Well, if you're, if you're getting an 18 year old mm-hmm. and the other guy they got, that means you know you're hoping that he can develop into something in four or five years. But if you're th- looking at it from Stroman's perspective, he's if he's expect he was wishing for a, a contract extension, and they just shut him down and end up trading him. But I think you got to look they, at what's, what's more valuable for the team. What's they, more valuable for the team is that you get something in return for Marcus Stroman, right? I think that it just you're going to create more internal issues by doing that. You know, they might have said that, you know, if they he clearly didn't get along with the ownership and that was stemming back to spring training mm-hmm. even last year when um he was he just completely went to the media and opened up about his contract situation. I'm, I'm, that definitely rubbed their ownership, or excuse me, management uh, the wrong way, yeah. and ultimately led to him being dealt right now. But I just don't think that they're committed to giving a guy a hundred million dollar contract on a team that's nowhere near close to contending. Yeah, I exactly. look. I also look at it aside from, and I mentioned it on the show, the young guys that they have, the young arms who will be, who will make up their future rotation really love the guy. They really looked up to him and I'm a big, I and mean, I'm a firm believer that you need to have veteran guys in your locker rooms to help bring along those younger players. Mm-hmm. And now they do really don't have that. And they're not going to have that unless they're looking yeah. at spending some money in free agency to bring in some veteran guys. They just traded away a guy who those young guys loved, looked up to, wanted to be around, 
and really supported them in their development. And that that's really big, especially when you're dealing with young I, young pitchers. But I think that when you're looking at a team that's going for like I think the Jays are prepared for a long rebuild here. Right? Because they're they're just they're getting rid of guys that don't fit the long term solution. And and let's face it, like Strowman doesn't face Strowman is not in the long term plans of the Jays, right? It's like, let's say, let's throw a number on it. Like I said four years earlier. Let's say they're, they're planning to compete in four years. Strowman's 32. Making, maybe, maybe making he, 20 he, plus million. You know, maybe he could still be a quality 32-year-old pitcher. I mean, that, that, that that's a possibility. But I think they're trying to and clearly this is what they're doing, they're adding depth in all areas of their farm system, in all areas of their team, right? And clearly today's move, they got two pitching prospects. So they're trying to add pitching prospects to contend for the future. And I see what you mean. You see Strowman as a valuable guy who can, you know, work with these young players, serve as a good role model for them. Honestly, man... I think the Blue Jays are taking the model of the Houston Astros who just tanked for the longest time. They groom these guys in the minors, right? They groom them in in some respect at the major league level as well. You know, if you look at Vladimir Guerrero, he didn't spend a lot of time in the minors. You look at Bo Bichette, he's finally going to get his call up to the big team. So they're using the farm system to develop players. They're using the major leagues to get these guys quality experience. You look at their 10-9 win yesterday over the Rays. That's a character win that can really help develop a team in the future. That that gives them some quality at-bats. It gives them some quality time um, on the mound Right? It gives them some valuable experience. I don't think they necessarily need Strowman to like guide them and direct them in this four or five year plan. So why not go out and get some young prospects that can give you that depth for the future? Now, so that's why I support the deal. The question is, did they get enough? And I think that is what a lot of fans of the Blue Jays have questioned with some of their moves, a.k.a. the Josh Donaldson deal. And that's, a, and that's an answer I don't have. And it might not be an answer that we'll get until we see what Anthony Kay is all about. Well, let's hope he's getting him many Ks in the future. But yeah, um, I, I think... I was just thinking about so. this. I think the reason why uh, most of the Jays fans will be very, very upset with this trade is in the last, you look what happened in the last five years with this team. You had a team that where Alex Anthopoulos went all in. Mm-hmm. He went all in and he went all in quickly. Yeah. He traded. Most of their 
pitching depth. They traded Noah Syndergaard. Right. For and included him along with uh with his Travis Darno for R.A. Dickey. That's what started it. Then you had the huge Mar- you had the huge Marlins trade. That was first, I believe the huge Marlins trade that brought in Burley yep. and those guys. Jose Reyes didn't work out. Where there's this huge fire sale where Anthopolis went all in, committed to contending for a championship, blowing all these prospects, mm-hmm. and then seeing immediate return. Yeah. You saw the success, the Batista bat flip, you saw the ALCS. They were right there. Went to the wild card game, walked off the the Orioles, dramatic fashion. Yeah. And Carnacion with a bomb. Another highlight in Blue Jays history. Yeah. To literally a brand new management group coming in after Anthopolis leaves and just completely flipping the switch and just blowing that entire team up within a couple of years. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of upset, a lot of upset Jays fans. I think the Blue Jays also have embraced this culture of tanking that's taken over baseball. And I'll point to the Houston Astros again. They were crap for years. They weren't a good team. And look at them now. They compete every year. Mm-hmm. And, and what we know about baseball is that it's hard to make the playoffs year after year. It's hard to make the World Series year after year. And, and Houston seems like they're always, they're always in it. And that's a product of not being very good for a very long time, stocking up on your prospects and develop and developing them within. And I think that's taking a lot of precedent right now in, in major league baseball. You look at Houston this year, they're 68 and 39. They're first in the AL West. The, the, clearly they got a model here and, and and it's working right now because they've been developing these players for a while. They've been rebuilding for a while. And, and it's a known fact right now that tanking is a problem in the MLB because a lot of people see this model, this tanking model, and they're embracing it because they know the long-term payoff will be better. Now, what it's doing, though, is it's, is it's hurting baseball a little bit. Oh, the numbers, in, in, if you're referring to attendance, yeah, it's, it's staggering. But, and, and that's a major issue. Yeah, there's a lot of really bad yeah. teams in the MLB right now. And that's the thing. Like, the Jays are not the only one tanking for hopes of a better future. This is a common theme around a lot of MLB teams, and it's almost making certain matchups pointless, certain series pointless. Well, the Marlins. Yeah. It started with the Giancarlo Stanton trade. Yeah. Like, Orioles. Uh, that was, I feel bad. So I I guess what I'm saying is maybe the trades the Jays are making you know, with and the decisions they're making in terms of not keeping Encarnacion, trading Donaldson, and the return they're getting for some of these players they're getting rid of, maybe it might not be enough. But I think they're just embracing that tank. Let's tank and get a high draft pick. Let's finish at the bottom of the league every year and let's get the best available prospects and let's build our team within. I think there's a major emphasis on that in baseball right now is building within, but to build successfully, you have to you have to be at the bottom of the league in terms of standings. 
Do you remember what the Jays' attendance was back in that run you were talking about, 2015, 2016? I think they – did they top – was it 3 million? Well, I'm talking like attendance. Like average attendance? Average attendance. There, there was over 40,000. Yeah, it was like 45,000 yeah. around there. Their current attendance statistics right now is an average of 21,044 people. And that's only due to a few sellouts, probably the Canada Day game, Weekend the home games. opener, Yankees series, Red Sox. If you look at that stadium, there's a That's lot of it. empty seats. You look at Rogers Center, there's tons of empty seats. And there's going to be even less now that Stroman's gone. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of people boycott the Jays for the rest of the year. The point is, is I think sports in general. You heard that one guy, the one Northwestern coach, mm-hmm. talk about like how attendance at college football games are down, and he he focused on you know people, students, uh, you know professionals anyone we're so into our phones nowadays we're so into watching certain games on our tablets and we like to watch like four or five screens we have to have options and what we want to watch but but the you know the talent level has to be there as well i think baseball is like one of the sports that are facing the most severe crisis in terms of the product on the field because if everyone's tanking you're only going to have about six competitive teams, six to eight competitive teams. So, and, and I don't think there's competition in the MLB right now to fuel one another to be better. So does It's it, a race do, to the bottom. So do you think that will lead to them maybe expanding the playoff format? Well, I mean... Do you mean, think they need to go to maybe like an eight-team format like they do in the other professional sports leagues? I think, for one, the season's too long in, in Major League I baseball. think that is a like, huge contributing factor. Like, you don't need 160 games. That's, if you looked at, and you are talking about the attendance, if you looked at the attendance in April mm-hmm. when there was snow on the ground yeah, and like the northern cities like Minnesota, um, who else is struggling? Maybe like Cincinnati, like a lot of these, Baltimore, like there was, I didn't even think there was maybe a hundred people in yeah. the stands. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. Tampa, Miami. But, but Tampa Bay is a team, right? They're 60 and 48. They're competing with the Red Sox yeah. and Yankees. But they've right historically now. had had bad numbers. Like yeah. it's a, there's, they're, there's they're numbers... talk of them splitting time with the Expos. Yeah. Which I would love to see. But you see a team who's in a wild card spot and a team that is competing for the AL East, they are 29th in attendance for an average of 15,600 people. Yeah, that's just that's just strictly a, a location issue. Most of the time, though, I think what we're seeing is if you're putting a, a bad product in the field, it's going to reflect in your attendance. That's the case for Toronto. Tampa Bay's a different market, I guess, right? They have a good product, but their attendance is low. But like you said, they've been dealing with that for years. But there's a lot of teams like Toronto that generally do get some decent attendance, but because their product is not respectable, their average attendance is not respectable. That's a problem it's, for Major League It's baseball. relative. Yeah, it's it's – yeah. Going back to, um, I guess, my thoughts on the Jays fans and their issues with management is also, I, I think that 
in the division that they're playing in, in the AL East, mm-hmm. if you're a Jays fan, you know that the teams, in order to win or to push to be successful in your division, you're dealing with the number one spending team yeah, in the Yankees and a team that will historically has dished money out for big name free agents if they feel like they're ready to contend in that year and that's the Red Sox. Yeah. And there's there's just pressure on the on that fan base. There's pressure on the team. There's always constant pressure on them to spend money because they've grown up with and they've always been around these two teams who have always spent the max to get the best talent to always compete and to be able to pull the trigger on any big trade. Yeah. If it's going to mean them contending and winning a World Series. And there's a lot of pressure to, to keep up. That. If you're a team like the Jays that you like you mentioned is going to go on like this huge rebuild and wants to develop players from within uh, from within and then you're seeing the Yankees go out and spend 300 million dollars yeah. on players and then they're 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 you know going to win the division and contend for a World Series this year. You're pissed. Well, and that's and that's because you because you you know the Jays ownership can easily yeah match up with the Yankees. But that's another easily. reason why they're going for this kind of model, right? The rebuild within because the Jays have never been that team to outbid the Yankees or Red Sox for that star yeah. free agent. But I think I think the Jays fans are are they're done with it. They're over it. I think they want them to come in and say, "Listen, I don't want to go through another cheaply built Jays team." That doesn't want to go after big name free agents. They they're will just, though. They're sick and tired of it. Once, once this core group, whoever they are, because I think right now it's, we don't know who the core group is going to be because they have tons of movable pieces. They, I mean, we know Vladdy's going to be a part it's of the centered group. around their, their big three prospects. Right. You're going to see Biggio, Bichette, right. and Vladdy. But going forward, like Guriel. Guriel, yeah, he's been great. We, what we don't know is like who's going to make up the rotation. Who's going to Who's going to play shortstop? Like, well, probably Bo Bichette, but we, we, there's a lot of question marks around the team, right? But I think when they get to the point where they want to get to, where they can be competitive, they can dig into the free agent mar- market, but they're not going to spend money until they are competitive. Because I think one thing this model has shown is that if you de- develop these top-level prospects within, you're going to be competitive. And then once you're competitive and you're an attractive market, for a potential free agent, then not only are you willing to go out and spend that money to get you into the playoffs and into a World Series, but players are going to be more willing to come to your team as well. If you don't have a solid foundation of players and prospects, if the Jays don't have a solid foundation of players and prospects, they're never going to be able to outbid the Red Sox or Yankees. Hell, no player is going to want to come to Toronto rather than go to the Red Sox or Yankees. So you almost got to, I mean, you got to develop success within. And that's, I think, what the Jays are trying to do, right? It's the only way they can be competitive in the future. And it's the only way they can potentially outbid the two mammoths in the AL East who are always going to be able to throw money at free agents just because of their history, just because of who they are, just because of their market. It's interesting how these um, these Toronto teams are all uh, contending at opposite times. 
Well, it's good. It's interesting how it's it's good and bad. I mean, I really feel for if you're just like a, you know, chips or chips, buddy. TFC's got a chip. Raptors got a chip. You know, the Jays will get there one day. It's a bad. I'm just saying, it's a, it's a bad time for them to be so bad, because, or, or the Jays. Yeah. Or is it a great time for them to be so bad? Because we, I mean, the Raptors just completed a legendary playoff run, won a championship. The Leafs are going to be totally relevant come October. Come October, no one's going to care if the Jays are in the playoffs. They got the Leafs starting up. Oh, their season's going to be over yeah. before that. Like, it's, it's already over. Oh, it's already, but, it's already over. But over I guess what that. I'm saying is the Jays will get there. It's going to take some time, but they'll get back to being a competitive franchise. There's a lot of, there. there is some hope. For them. Well, the future's bright the for future's them. Bright. There's, no, there's some... no doubt the future's bright. It's just yeah. how how patient are you willing to be? They got to be patient. And what I'm saying is that they got to be very patient. The Jays fans and the organization have to be very, very patient. But as we're waiting for these, as we're being patient, we got other teams that are winning. Speaking, of, pa- speaking of patience. Mm-hmm. How patient will you be this year with Mike Babcock? Oh, we're revisiting this again. Oh, we're going into it. Because we're talking about patience. We're talking about moves. We're talking about moves that Dubas is making. Well, I think one thing we didn't mention in the, in the show was that the Leafs sign, um, or they, sorry, they traded Andreas Borgman for Jordan Smoltz. Under the radar deal. Under the radar deal. I mean, he'll have to compete for a spot. But anyway, I think what my point is, if you look at some of these transactions, I mean, it's no it's no shock that Borgman got traded. He didn't play much under Babcock. That allows me to believe that but he wasn't really a Babcock guy. Okay, so, so basically what I'm saying is this. A move like that, a move to get a right-handed um, defenseman in Tyson Berry, a move to get a, a, a veteran centerman like Jason Spezza. I think Dubis is giving Babcock everything he needs. Everything he's asked for, right? He's asked for experienced players. He's asked for a right-handed defenseman. He's asked for depth. They still got some work to do, but I think Dubis is giving Babcock everything he needs Next year, because I think the last thing they want to do is butt heads on. You didn't. You're, you're not. You're not giving me what I asked for. So I guess to answer your question, I think the fans and I think Dubis are not going to be very patient if the Leafs fail to get past the first round of the playoffs. Oh, I'm very quick to say that that'll be this will be the end of Mike Babcock if they don't. He'll have the year. I, I've said this before. He, he, there, there won't be any pressure if they're if they're struggling, like if they're if they're out of a playoffs, like oh t- oh and ten out of the gate. Yeah, it's he's gonna get fired. If there's and, and if they if there's sense that there's some serious issues in yeah. the locker room, or if let's say you know the players come out and say we we've lost all trust in Mike Babcock, then mm-hmm. he'll be gone. They'll they'll make a they'll make a. I don't a and I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think so. Because they know. They're, I mean, the players are not... They're smart. 
they know they got a good team. They're stacked offensively. They know they got a good team. But it's it's a I think I've said this before. Probably gonna face the Bruins again. Oh man. Probably gonna <laughs> face you're probably gonna face oh, Tampa man. Bay. It all depends how things add up. Listen, you go into a playoff series against the New Jersey Devils, let's say, that's not an easy series. If they don't get past the first round, see you later, Mike Babcock. But ne- I think next year is this. It's Dubis giving Babcock what he wants. You got the star defenseman, another guy who can produce points. That's Tyson Berry. He's a right-hander. You're getting Jordan Smoltz adding to that defensive depth. And like I said, he's still got work to do. But he's giving Babcock kind of what he wants, right? He's giving them players that he can work with. Babcock guys, if you want to say. So, if he doesn't perform next year as the coach, he's out. I must say, I'm I'm very jacked to see this team. So am I. How they perform? They I'm are look, better. Looking at their depth chart, yeah, they oh, are better. They're way better. They're than better. Last year. They have a developed fourth line with a veteran center. Yeah. Their decor. Trevor looks- Moore <laughs> is like an exciting guy to have up in our lineup next year. Oh, the third line. Speed, speed, speed. Spezza's very under the radar. As a side of a signing this summer, he's cheap. He's a veteran guy. He wants to play for the Leafs, and everyone is gonna love Alexander Kerfoot. I'm telling you, he's gonna be a I'm, fan favorite. He he is gonna be a guy. I think he's just gonna fly under the radar. Yeah. And you talk, we're talking about um, Danny Green saying he was the other guy in the trade. Alex Kerfoot is the other guy in this Tyson Berry Nazem Kadri trade. He's the Danny Green. He is the Danny Green of the Leafs next year. And. Like, I bet he scores another, 20 goals next year. He's another Babcock guy. Yeah. Right? You got Travis Dermott on the back end. Who will be back eventually. Who will be back eventually, but he's he's got some years under his belt now. A year and a half under his belt. They are a significantly better team. And that's what I'm saying. Like, There's still question marks. No question no about it. There's a lot of pressure on on the team this year. Oh, yeah. But it's all going to be that pressure is all measured after the regular season. They're they're going to make the playoffs, but their season, their pressure doesn't start till the first round of the playoffs. And, and you know what? That is a tough way to approach a season, but it can be done. Look at the Raptors. Championship or bust this year. They won it. But you go into every season. If you if you suit up, we say it all the time, if you suit up for this team from day one, it's championship or bust. Yeah. You, you, if you're an athlete and you're a professional athlete, you should automatically have that pressure. Like there's no way you suit up and say, oh, you know, there's no pressure on me this year. You're a professional athlete. You're supposed to win, go and attempt to win every season. That's why you, that's why you train in the offseason. That's why you even step on the ice in the first place. You compete to win every year. I guess what I'm saying doesn't is matter what market you're in. For Toronto, think about you being a Toronto Maple Leaf player. And think about Austin. Austin Matthews can get 40 goals, 50 assists, 90 points, career year. They can all have careers next year. If they're in the first round of the playoffs, none of that matters. Babcock, he can lead the team to a president's trophy next year. That won't matter if they don't win the first round of the playoffs. Well, look at Tampa. 
There's yeah. your there's your prime example. Dusted everyone, coasted, coasted yeah. into the playoffs. You thought for, you thought no one was stopping these guys. But don't you think the mentality of a of the team is is a little I don't want to say worried, but when you're thinking to yourself that none of my none of the regular season matters, it's all about what we do in the playoffs. That's that's tough. That's that's a lot of pressure. If you're, if you're an athlete, though, you 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 should know that. You should know that. You should uh, know that. No, I agree. And look at uh, they were interviewing John Tavares. He's saying he's like, I'm still pissed. Of course, and I hope that I'm still pissed. This guy scored 47 goals last year. And I he's think, at, first thing he said, I'm pissed. But for John Tavares, I believe it. It's genuine. Oh, 100. percent but do the rest of the guys feel like they that? They better. Does Marner feel like that? Does Matthews feel about uh, feel like that? Does Does William Nylander feel like that? It's It's going to be interesting. But I'm the Leafs season. Yeah, October should be all about preparing and getting ready for April for the playoffs because that's how this team will be judged. They're going to be judged on their playoff success. Now, I mean, for you, like, what do you see as a success, as a successful year next year for Toronto, for the Leafs? A successful season in my eyes is you have to start with the first round win. So it's like, get out, get out of the first round. There's step one, baby steps. This team, you don't even know what you're going to get with this team this year. But that's the beauty of it. That's just going to keep it interesting. It's like right now, if I look at their depth chart, they have a Stanley Cup roster. Of course they do. They have a, they have a Stanley Cup or bust roster right now. Aside from maybe some depth on But D, as as a fan of the team, my you are asking what, what's what's if you're asking my expectations are what Well, I'm not asking for I'm I'm saying what's a successful season next year? First round win. Clinch home ice. And get past the first round. There's step one. I think in baby steps, and you can you can go Stanley Cup or bust, whatever. You should think yeah. that every year. Well, it's a, but yeah. from an organizational standpoint, you're talking about three first round exits in a row. Two against the same team. Two against the same team. Two game seven losses. Your your expectation has to be a first round a first round win this year. So you're like I agree with you. You're, you're taking you the baby. Start there. You're taking the baby steps. You have to approach. You got to win the first round first. But I agree with you. They have a Stanley Cup roster. They could. I, they I think, can. I they think can push Tampa to, to win deep. their division this year. They got to go deep, Toronto. I think they have a team that's built to win the division this year easily. That's not going to be good enough if they don't do anything in the playoffs, though. Right. The team's got to go deep. They should. Yeah, they got to start with that first round victory but they this is a team that in the locker room they got to understand themselves it's yeah it's about winning that first round but we got to go to the conference finals or or cup finals here they're that good they're that talented of a team and these guys have secured their contracts they've secured their long-term deals they've secured money there should be no pressure on them to perform now the the pressure on them well, shouldn't the shouldn't be, be it shouldn't be monetarily it shouldn't it shouldn't be for a contact a contract it should be for individual performance. This is for your team performance now. Mm-hmm. Go go out and win a cup for the city. We'll see. July 29th, we're talking about cup. 
I'll, I'll talk about it any day. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up here on Purposely Offside. Is it October yet? No, thank God, because I no, it's still hot. want I to enjoy the summer. Yeah. Still got a I few can, more I rounds put of it golf off to get in. It. Oh, you, mentioned, you just said it. Yeah. Anyway, that concludes uh, this week's episode. We'll have uh, Brian Drzejewski back from his honeymoon next week. He'll be joining us. We'll get his take on a few things. I'm dying to ask him about some of the stuff we've been discussing over the past couple of weeks. So maybe maybe we will. We'll ask him next week about uh, the retiring of Kawhi's number, if they should. We'll ask him about the Kawhi and Dine. We'll get his take on what you asked me about Mike Babcock and his thoughts on the Leafs, because there's no one more, there's no one who gets more pissed than Brian Drzejewski when it comes to uh, comes to the Leafs. I want to know where he was when he found out the news that, about David Clarkson oh and my the trade. Goodness. I wonder what his thoughts and his takes on that were. Yeah, we'll find he's, out. He's got some interesting. Takes. We'll find out next week. All right, guys. I'm Anthony Donardo along with Jordan Battaglia here. You're listening to Purposely Offside. Thanks for listening. All right. Always appreciate you guys listening. Comment um, on anything that we're talking about. Subscribe, listen. You know the drill. We'll see you next week. See you.